Hello, and welcome to the Black and Gold podcast, episode three of a 2021-22 year. I'm Ewan James, and I'm your social media officer and host of the Black and Gold podcast. This week, we are kicking off our campaigns with Black History Month. As you have probably seen our social media, on our social media this month already, we have a wide variety of posts for Black History Month, and we thought it'd be apt to discuss what Black History Month means to our three very special guests. And starting with Dana Latkan, who is our BME student engagement lead. So Dan, how has your return to sport been? Oh, it's been amazing. It's so nice to have fixtures again and getting to see all my mates every week. So yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Perfect. And um, next, our guest is Angela Erwin, as a, who is our disabled student engagement leads. So in our previous podcast, we've discussed some of our favourite memories from sport at uni. What would you say yours has been? Um, definitely the last varsity we had. So in my first year, twenty nineteen. But yeah, I'm just hope, looking forward to this year's one. Thank you, yeah, lovely. And uh, our final guest, last but not least, is our Welfare and Sustainability Officer, Ness Matenda Mavingo. So, what event would you say you're most looking forward to this Black History Month? Um, I think it would be Carnival. Our Liberations Officer, Shona, and our um, BAME Student Officer, Blair, have been working on sort of getting local businesses and local, yeah, organisations together to just create sort of just a really exciting atmosphere and so that's going to be at the end of the month. The end of the month, so I'm really looking forward to that. And that'll also be at the end of the podcast where we'll be discussing more of the events coming up. Um, and from our four, well, from me and the three guests, we've got a wide range of sports on, uh, to discuss. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, this past week, to celebrate Black History Month, Sports Committee have been showcasing a number of trailblazing black athletes on its social media channels. I'd be interested to know whether there are any inspirational figures within your sports that you say are role models. For example, one for me is Jackie Robinson, and because he was one of the first black players in black in the uh, Major League Baseball, and even today his legacy does live on. Because in 1997, the MLB completely retired his number 42, and it, that shows just his legacy. So, Dan, what are some of your idols? Um, I'd say for me, uh, being a rugby player, one person who probably since I was about 14 is really burst into the scene is Mario Toje. Um, so he's, well, he went to Harrow, he's from London and he's a British Nigerian. And he broke into the team in around 2014 with standout man of the match performances. He captained the England in the 20s and now a few years on, he's considered one of the greatest players in this position um, of, a, of a generation. So I really like him. Uh, there's also Ben Abana who a few months ago did a really interesting documentary called Everybody's Game, talking about opportunities to increase um, diversity in rugby because like, it's, it's viewed as a bit of an issue. And I, and I know personally from watching a lot of Wales versus England games just how good Mauro Toji can be. And considering you both, well, you also play as a forward, are you, would you see, see him as a sort of inspiration for you yeah, going forward? Definitely. Like, He's always just been a player that I've tried to model myself after his physicality, his leadership, and he's just great at rugby. So yeah, he's definitely someone that a lot of, a lot of people look up to. And if you were to describe Ben Barno in a couple of words, what would you say is his main sort of style of rugby? Physical. <laughs> he's, a, he's, he's a prop, so he's yeah, a very physical guy, and like he relies on that. But I think one of the important points to mention 
and that he raised in his documentaries that rugby is a sport for everyone. So whether you're small and nimble or you're big and strong, um, rugby really is everybody's game. Yeah, perfect. And um, Angela, I know you also play rugby as well. So is there any in particular uh, black athletes in rugby that you look up to? Yeah, 100%. Um, Maggie Alfonsi, who is also a London Nigerian woman, um, she's just, I, in a sense, there's no one quite like her in women's rugby in terms of black athletes. Um, like she won, she got her first cap at the age of 19 which is insane and I like I don't play the same position as her so I wouldn't really say that I aim to be like her in some ways but just the amount of effort and power she has is inspirational. Is that sort of personality that you want to put across on the pitch and do you sort of see yourself trying to emulate her in ways? Yeah 100% like that kind of personality is something that I feel like lots of people need and it's something that I would, that I aspire to embody. And it says on some of your notes about you how she was crowned a BBC Sports, per- in, she was in a part of a BBC Sports personality team of the year, which is, just shows how incredible the amount of effort and sort of uh, the mark she's made on British sport, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, she's left an impact that you wouldn't it's hard to see from like lots of athletes especially like in women's rugby not you won't see as many notable players compared to men's rugby and to see that she's done so much and gone so far is just great yeah perfect and moving on to ness it's a very it's, it's a massive change going from rugby to climbing <laughs> but um what would you say is a sort of idol that you have to in terms of black athletes in your sport I think it's actually quite a challenge. I don't think there is much diversity in climbing to begin with. I think there's been a shift where more women are getting involved in climbing and it being in the Olympics, I think, has promoted that. But when you look at sort of black climbers, especially black women climbers, it is very few. I think in the UK, there's Molly Thompson-Smith. She's up and coming. But I do think at the elite level, there's actually not many role models. But I think it's exciting to see that there are tons of community groups that are forming, trying to create more diversity in climbing. So there's groups such as Project One and Climb Unity, and I think perhaps, maybe not my role model, but my role group is all these um, independent community groups that have formed to try and create space and change that a bit more. What are some of the examples of the work that these groups are doing, um, if you don't mind? <laughs> so a lot of them, I think Sheffield's actually started one um, with Third Rock, which is a climbing company, and it's working to sort of get um, school kids, like black school kids from disadvantaged backgrounds. I think climbing has a lot of, um, it can be quite expensive just even getting onto the wall. So just getting sort of one-to-one coaches with these kids and just, I think, from a young age, sort of showing them that climbing is a sport that they're welcome in, um, just to try and sort of, yeah, make it an option for more people. Yeah, and you mentioned there how climbing has sort of come to the forefront a bit because it's one of the new sports in the Olympics. How big will that be in terms of the growth mm-hmm. of climbing, not only in British, but also in black British uh, sports as well? Yeah, I think um, it sort of goes back to, I think with a lot of sports, there's always the traditional sports that lots of people do sort of growing up and with perhaps more modern sports. I think there's always a tendency that people who are involved in them, it's because they have family friends who do it or they have some kind of connection to people who do it. I think in a lot of sort of black communities, it's just something that's never been broached. So by it being in the Olympics, 
other schools might start to integrate it into like an option when they go to school or there might just be more offers and there's more funding into these sports that can sort of support the people who are inaccessible. Also I think a lot of the time it's just not hearing about it. I'm a person who like I am quite privileged in sort of I'm at university and I can afford to go to university and um, the barrier for me was just I've never heard or even thought about doing climbing so I think just even it just getting more publicity makes it more accessible for people as well. Yeah, and you said there about how um, sports such as climbing may be not very diverse at the elite level. So I feel like in this next session, uh, section, we will be looking how certain sports especially seem to have some sort of barriers for black athletes in terms of whether it be financial or opportunity-wise. So that'll be in this next section. So as we just mentioned, we've been looking at how some sports seem to have barriers when it comes to um, black athletes actually bringing into the sport. So, um, Ness, for example, you said about how climbing, you don't see very off, uh, very many black athletes or black women athletes in climbing. What would you say are the barriers that need to be broken down especially? Mm-hmm. I think um, one is definitely just finance. Um, I think it's just a really expensive sport to get into. I think also just locations. So a lot of... Um, just like, yeah, climbing centres and things are located sort of in Wales or in Pembrokeshire and in really small um, communities that don't have a diverse population. Um, and with most black people sort of in the UK being based in London, um, again, just costs of getting involved and the opportunities there is very limited. I think it goes back to what I was saying is that I think a lot of the time it is just, if you don't see yourself in the spaces, you don't feel as though it's a space for you. And I think that's perhaps a big barrier. Um, I also think that just in terms of uh, looking at it, like beyond just elite climbers, I think coaching as well. There's not many black coaches or black women coaches. So perhaps even though I think there's a shift where the sport is becoming more diverse, it's people perhaps won't even think to become qualified coaches. And then it's sort of like getting those leadership positions, I think is almost another step as well, um, increasing diversity there. Yeah, and it's, so you sort of said there about how it's a lack of black coaches. Would you say that's mostly because um, the culture of climbing has not been a big sport compared to other sports mm-hmm. and by extension that means that there's not been a lot of opportunity for black people in say 20-30 years ago when climbing may have been starting to kick on a bit to get into the sport in a way. Yeah I think like actually the history of sport, I think it's for loads of different sports when you look at it. I think a lot of black people weren't allowed into these spaces to begin with just like even I think in America in like national parks like black people weren't allowed and I think there's an interesting thought about sort of the history of like exclusion and how perhaps these sports were actually exclusionary in nature and that's sort of embedded itself. So I think with leadership positions, it's just again, um, not having the opportunities with the thoughts or the people around you who are doing it. So you sort of don't see yourself replicated in that. Um, but yeah, I think um, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. And I think it's not just with climbing, I think it can be for quite a few different sports and getting into the, if you look at football team managers or th- things like that and like, um, just any time you get up to a leadership position, I think it is one of them. There's just more barriers in place to sort of bubble it up. Yeah, and um, from your sort of perspective as a welfare and stability officer at VSU, how do you hope that this Black History Month and the carnival that we're going to be mentioning later on as well, how do you hope that's going to be breaking down barriers to sport going mm-hmm. forward? 
I think it's perhaps just creating that sense of community and just, um, you know, it sounds, but like diversity within diversity, like I'm one of the few black climbers I know and I think sort of being on things like this and just talking about climbing more and sort of presenting it as an option that anyone can do um, might just even just get other people thinking of doing it as well. Um, I also do think in terms of my role as welfare and sustainability, I am quite keen, that connection with nature that um, I think sometimes it's quite hard. Like I know growing up, me and my family wouldn't go for a walk just to walk. It just wasn't something you'd do. And as I developed my love more for nature, I also developed my love for like, climbing outside and things like that. Um, so I think there's that also the connection between outdoor sports and nature um, that can be built. Yeah, amazing. And uh, so we're moving on to Dan now. Um, with rugby, we've already said about how there's uh, the idols we look up to in terms of Mario Toje. But where would you say that there's been? a bigger shift for black rugby players in the past couple decades, for example, over, well, over, probably over like 20 years ago when there may be not as many compared to now? Yeah, I'd say that we've seen a lot of successes of, uh, of black rugby players more recently, so I think um, the England rugby squad that uh, went to the last World Cup, they had Mario Toje, um, Manny Tuolagi, we had, we had like about a third of our players being um, non-white which again it's, it's it's a really good thing for people to see people playing at the highest level who may look like them and I think the England national football team as well they've really changed the picture of and their team identity um, some of our best players for example uh, Raheem Sterling who's scored most of our goals again it, like he's black and that that has an amazing impact on a, a kid growing up in a room like a small part of small part of England with a role model like that. Yeah, and you said there about Raheem Sterling and the black footballers uh, playing for England this summer in the Euros. Um, but one of the big things that we all saw was the racist abuse they received on social media afterwards. Would you say that that can really put off black athletes perhaps trying to get into a um, more professional role because they don't want to face the same backlash that they saw from their idols in a way? I think... Um, the reaction to um, our loss during the um, the Euros was, yeah, it was it, it was horrible. And obviously, as a black athlete myself, I, for a few days, just felt very comfortable being in public spaces, and it, it means a lot. But football is changing. Um, there are campaigns such as um, um, show race and the red card, uh, which are really trying to change that perception of the sport. And I really hope that. A talented kid isn't being put off by by something like that, but again, it's that that's why it's important for us to talk about these issues and for them to be in the mainstream media and openly discussed because otherwise, um, these issues are suppressed and um, tensions are left to to boil. And coming from your own personal role involved with sports commerce, being a BME mm -hmm. um, officer, what are some of the goals that you're trying to push? not only in this month for Black History Month, but for, for the whole year in general as well, for black athletes? I think, um, naturally because this is a new role, um, I'm kind of carving out my own path with it, but I think really what I want to do is to ensure that each club is able to showcase um, black athletes and athletes from a diverse range of backgrounds that have had success um, in their sports, because again, that's a really important way of increasing participation is showcasing these role models that people can look up to and so that people don't think, okay, everyone who does this sport looks a certain way and so that they can't do it. That's not what university sport's about. University sport is about 
getting people from all across the world together to do amazing things, to challenge themselves to grow as people. So, um, yeah, that's one thing I'm really looking to push this year. So, Dan, have you, just finally, have you had experiences during your time playing rugby where you've experienced these racist, racist abuse? Yeah, well, I've had, yeah, I've been the recipient of some incidents on the pitch from opposition players, opposition coaches, but um, I've not let it affect my love for the sport. I'd say a lot of the barriers that I face personally in rugby have been socio-economic, so I'm from quite a disadvantaged background from inner city Birmingham, so I think for me to get to a high quality rugby club, it took, when I was paying for them, it took me one and a half hours um, each way just to get to pay for a decent team. And I remember, I think one of the most prominent examples for me of finances and access to private transport being an issue was I had uh, I was playing county rugby and I was selected to go to some regional trials but the only way I could go um, was by taking a 60 quid Uber and just at that time I just did not have that money so um, it, it's tough and I think for a lot of people um, rugby can be exclusionary because similar to climbing it requires a lot of equipment it requires a lot of uh, travel and it requires a lot of yeah access to things that not a lot of people have not yeah, everyone has yeah definitely and um, so moving on to Angela obviously you played for St Sporters Dan have you experienced similar sort of issues going forward or yeah um, my issue has been very similar to Dan in the sense that like I grew up in like in London but just the cost of doing anything was always too much so coming to uni was quite nice because like we've got the participation grant and it's easier to like make up the funds to get to to join clubs that like I want to try out but even then with rugby just getting boots that didn't break down like after a few matches was something that I really had to think like is this something that I can do um, even though it's something that I definitely wanted to do. But I think in many ways I've been quite lucky in terms of not having as many incidences of racism um, because I was quite lucky by being surrounded by people when I started out in the club that would just like fight for me when I didn't feel like I had the voice to complain about something. So yeah, in some ways I have had barriers but the being at uni has really helped push through that. Yeah, and going forward, how would you tr- like? Would how would you like to ensure that black women in rugby, specifically in your own sport, how they can benefit moving forward and not feel the same barriers that you may have experienced? Um, I think like something key to remember is that even though like you stand out, that's an, it's not it doesn't really matter as long as you're enjoying yourself like you don't even have to be good i mean like i didn't even know how to play um not long before starting uni so it's just as long as you know you want to be there you'll find your way to make it and i think like it's it's hard to get through but it's basically all you need and just quickly before we move on to the final section what would you say you were most hoping that this Black History Month is most remembered for? Um, I hope it's most remembered for pushing black students to try new things because I feel like 
you know, with the events and with the highlights we've got on social media, we, at least from my opinion, I've definitely seen things that I hadn't considered trying out that I definitely want to do. Um, so I'm hoping that more black students feel empowered to just try something new. Perfect. And so before we move on, we will be looking at how do we wish to promote inclusivity at university sport in this final section. So this past year, the university has shown its commitment to widening participation in sport, which is reflected by the number of new roles on sports committee, including Dan and Angela's, as well as, as, well as Helen's role as mature students rep, Rowan's role as LGBTQ plus rep, and Philip's role as international students rep. So I'll go to uh, Dan first. Just how essential is it that we address the issues that each of these communities experience in the university? It's so important because I think I really respect the university's transition to trying to ensure that sport is a place for everyone and that's appreciated and recognised. Ensuring that no matter what someone's background is, what their beliefs are, how they self-identify, the fact that there are initiatives from the university to make sure that everyone feels included is so important. So throughout the year we run um, lots of amazing campaigns like This Girl Can, um, Pride in Sport, um, I think many other, obviously Black History Month as well, but they're doing a lot. And yeah, I think just this actual um, organisational change and this, having this structure in place to ensure that these groups are heard, respected and listened to, um, I, I think is so important. Yep, and uh, Angela, would you say that, how would you like, would you echo Dan's comments about how important these new rules are as, as part of the sports committee as well as, as university life as a whole? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that sometimes, especially for like liberation groups, it's hard, it's sometimes hard to realise that like, we enjoy things other than just you know trying to get through our studies like sport is quite important for your well-being it's just like a massive part of uni life and it's something that i'm glad that we've shifted focus onto because like i mean i'm disabled students rep and i know very few disabled students or students that will openly say that they're disabled that and um participate in sports so um yeah i think it's really important that there is extra focus placed on groups that otherwise would just kind of ignore aspects of uni life that are quite fulfilling yeah and one of the main things why we've seen over the past year has been the um changing of the su officers to different titles based on um, what has been voted in by the students. And for example, you are now welfare and sustainability officer, Ness. So how do you hope that these new roles and the terminology associated with them can help these marginalized groups or these communities have the best human experience, specifically towards sport, but obviously just in general as well? I think the fact that there's just been space created for them and there's resource and capacity just being dedicated to representing them. I think, for example, we've recently been going through our objectives for the year and Fob, who's the LGBTQ plus officer, she's had goals that 
everyone's known has been an issue, but because it's never been at the top of somebody's agenda, it's slipped to the bottom of the list. So having all these specific roles that people's whole remit is to focus on these liberation groups and it's a priority, I think um, it's just so powerful because they're not always priorities. Um, so Dan, um, what are some of the uh, events going on such as GoWithOn, which will be next Monday? Again, sports community is so excited to be able to return to in-person events and we're just looking forward to seeing all of you. Um, so the first event, which is going to be on Monday the 18th of November, is going to be a GoWithOn. And so that's, um, we'll have rowing machines, rowing machines, treadmills and stationary bikes out on the concourse um, and people will help, help us reach a goal of travelling 3,380 kilometres which is the distance from the Sheffield SU to this place called Jelgarud, where in Morocco, where the first human fossil was found. So just reinforcing that, um, the idea that yes, we're all connected and humans are from Africa, like that's where we evolved. Um, yes, yeah, so that's really exciting. And the second is the carnival, which is going to be held at the end of the month on Saturday the 30th of October, I believe. And that's gonna be an amazing celebration of all of the different um, identities from across the black, um, sorry, the Afro Caribbean diaspora, and um, it's going to vendors from, mostly from Sheffield, um, so, so that we're supporting black businesses, and that event is going to be um, engaging the local community as well. So um, we haven't still sorted out the minor details of which vendors are going to be there, but um, watch the space. is what I would say. And we we spoke about some of the goals for the year, but as one final point, what do you hope from a black sporting perspective that you want this year most to be remembered for? So I'll start with Angela. I think I I think the carnival will be the thing that I think would be most proud to have this month remembered by because um, it's just one of the best ways to both attract black students to sport as well as champion black businesses in the area, which is a lot of what this month's about. Perfect. And um, Ness, obviously you've only got one year in the role, unfortunately, but um, what do you hope that your time in office is most remembered for? Um, so in terms of sports, um, terms of sport, yeah, sport. <laughs> um, I think one thing I'd hope is that just even seeing the change in roles, like that, the fact that Sportscom has a BME officer, that the officer team has a BME officer. I hope sports teams around the uni now begin to look at their own teams and sort of reflect on, like actively reflect on the changes that need to be made or like the learning that they can do and how they can implement that there. Um, and it'd just be nice to see if sort of other sports groups and just society began to adopt these roles as well and sort of liberation groups were properly embedded into like across all societies and sports. Um, yeah, and finally, Dan, uh, as our BME officer for Sportscom, what do you hope FSU is remembered for most? Uh, again, it's a big question, but I hope this is a year where we have opportunities for black athletes to say, well, um, they have someone to look up to in any sport, whether it's trampolining, gymnastics, or skiing, or fencing, or whatever. It's, I think it's just really important to get people aware of that there are um, role models from a, from a whole range of backgrounds. Some of them may be lesser known, but at the same time, um, realising that people like you can do these amazing things and perform at the highest level, and that university sport provides an excellent opportunity to do that. That's 
that's what I want my legacy to be. I think that's a perfect way to round it off. I'd like to thank our guests Dan, Ness and Angela for appearing on this episode. Don't forget that some of our events we have this month for Black History Month uh, are part of our fundraiser on behalf of Black Minds Matter. And don't forget about our carnival at the end of the month. It's going to be great, honestly. And um, we hope you enjoyed listening and we'll see you again. Bye. 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 <laughs>